0: Last week, Krenar, the CEO of Tive, he joined me on the show to talk about how they are changing the visibility game in supply chain. If you didn't have to have a chance to go and check that out, make sure you go and check that out. It is episode 131 and you're not going to want to miss that. So go and check it out. It's wherever you listen to the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast IANA is responding to the needs of the intermodal freight industry, and they are delivering. They have created a brand new program called The Business of Intermodal Continues. It's entirely online and will include educational webinars, virtual panel discussions, market updates, and industry leader interviews throughout the remainder of 2020. For more details, visit intermodal.org. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am back from another few days off and really looking to kick off the next couple of weeks. We are super excited over here because Ships has launched. That's shipz.com Go and check it out. We're super excited to have freight forwarders and mid-market shippers join us on this platform, um, just to make international shipping that much easier, simpler, and uh, so so much better. So you're going to hear a lot more about this because we're going to be talking about ships a lot. We are super excited to get it to the market. Plus, we've got a new mini series coming out in September, and. We have a lot of really great conferences that we've partnered up with in September as well. So it is going to be a fun and crazy couple of weeks. So we hope that you are joining us for all of that. For all of the information, make sure to check out the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page as we bring you up to date with all of the exciting things that we've got going on. So today I am talking to a company that is building trust and transparency in the global supply web and I am really glad they're here because transparency is a hot topic in supply chain and I am looking to hear about how they are bringing that to supply chains globally but before we do that let's get to the question of the week. So the question of the week is what is your top priority in supply chain strategy right now? A lot of really great answers. So Alex Shapoval says what we are seeing right now is that most manufacturers are in defense posture. Their top priority is to minimize loss. Since that is their top priority, we are committed to helping them secure their operations. From advanced planning and scheduling standpoint, that means a lot of replanning and rescheduling to deal with incoming disruptions. Martha Lumetete, building resiliency in the supply chain, increase agility in the supply chain's collaboration, my favorite word, and transparency. Lastly, a framework to alert when there are noteworthy shifts in the market. Marion says creating transparency with supplier networks, nurturing agility, strengthening resilience and building teams that have the right mindset for these changes. Matthew shifting fr- shifting from fast and fragile networks to resilient ones. Alvaro says avoid disruption, improve resiliency, data accuracy and good foundations for automation. Andrew Johnson. He is the host of our from the front lines show time to scale. We have the world's best B2B supply chain platform built. And now COVID-19 has done us a favor exposing the weaknesses in old school B2B supply chains. So it's time to get the word out, revolutionize the world of B2B supply. Wandi says increasing supply chain, agility, transparency, and building resiliency to face uncertain times. Well, well, there are definitely definitely some common threads there, and I loved all of your answers. Thank you to everybody for, um, you know, weighing in on this really important topic. I know that you know we're all in maybe different industries, but supply chain as a whole coming together, talking about top priorities and will really help us to focus, find perspective, especially in this time right now. Um, so thank you to everybody again for weighing in on that question of the week. We do this every single Wednesday morning on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And so follow us and make sure that you weigh in on the question of the week so that we can feature you on an upcoming episode. So today Omne is here and I can't wait for you to meet them. They're doing some amazing things in transparency. Transparency was one of the things that we talked about in the question of the week. So before we dive into a little bit more about what they are doing, let's get to know Dan a little bit more. He is the CEO and co founder of Omni Technologies and Painted Picture. He is a renowned speaker, entrepreneur, business coach, and supply chain expert. Dan has operated and advised numerous businesses from inception to multi-million dollar scale. With 30 years of hands-on experience in outsourced manufacturing, he is the go-to guy for grasping the inner workings of the supply chain industry. Dan has held esteemed seats on over a dozen global entrepreneurs organization boards for over 25 years. So welcome to the show, Dan.
1: Thank you very much, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yes, I'm really excited for the conversation today because we're going to be taking a deeper look into who Omne is and what that means for companies right now who are looking to transform their supply chains. And right now, that is something that Everybody in the industry is looking for. So why don't we kick it off with the story behind the brand? What was the problem that you initially set out to solve and how has it evolved from there?
1: Thanks, Sarah. Well, actually, the company started 30 years ago in manufacturing, back when there was hardware uh, that was built in North America. Um, 15 years ago, we actually uh, had the choice of adding more capital equipment ourselves here or moving production offshore and we chose to move production offshore and over the next couple of years we we transformed all of it and one of the most interesting things that happened after that was I realized that it had become an information company in other words the quality and the timeliness of the information that came from our customers to us from us to our vendors all made a big difference in terms of whether or not Dan could sleep at night and that right. was the, the biggest test was, you know, sleep at night. And it's funny, I, um, I heard just yesterday, uh, Ray D'Alio used the word ulcer test. In other words, um, if you check your gut, and if something is giving you an ulcer, then it's something you may want to pay attention to. Um, and so uh, we really focused on, on building a system that was very reliable, very simple. Um, and it took, I didn't realize how many people to move all that information back and forth. So fast forward to uh, five years ago, and uh, uh, my actually my son Scott joined the company as um, you know we kind of jokingly say the young bull against my old bull, and uh, began to start to work on the technology side, which I had envisioned once I understood that we were an information company, um, and was now able to execute on. So what we did initially was we actually built a platform or a system that would electronically manage all of the communications, all the information, and all the quality in our relationships with our vendors and customers. And uh, two years ago, we actually had the system ISO certified for the first time. So it actually manages all of the information, reporting, et cetera, of the quality management side inside the system as well. Um, we, we had a couple of different things happen at the same time. The first was that um, I went in to see one of my customers uh, when we set them up as a beta about two months in, and uh, he, he laughed at me. He said, do you know there's eight different people in our company using your system every single day? So wow. it was really interesting because they're engineers and designers, purchasers and buyers, logistics, quality management, and the C-suite. We're all checking different pieces of the information in the system on a daily basis. And the reason is because we built it actually to manage the the relationship between outsourced manufacturing partners. So it manages the information, it manages the communications, and because it has all that data, it then manages and reports the quality um, all by itself instead of having to have a series of Word documents and Excel spreadsheets that a team is entering information into in order to manage quality management. Um, so that was the first piece. Uh, the second was, uh, we had a, a customer that, um, had a very, very large, like $3.6 billion order that they weren't able to ship because of $2,000 worth of parts. Um, yeah. And it was something that we warned their tier three every week from April until August. Um, but there was an engineer with an engineering change order and it stayed on his desk and nobody touched it. And it was really interesting, <laughs> once the product didn't ship in August, suddenly there was a big enough fire that it all got solved in three weeks.
0: Right. And what
1: one of the things we realized is that if we actually look at um, each of the companies in a supply chain, not just as a supplier, but also with a vendor-customer relationship and really look at them as a node in a network, we could then start to create dependencies between the orders that the big OEMs cut and all of the different layers and sub tiers of manufacturers in order that if this system was in place back then we would have been able to literally ping our tier three if they didn't resolve it it would have gone up to the tier two and a timer tier one and eventually the cfo ceo would have found out in you tell me april may june That they had a potential problem at the end of August instead of finding out on August 31st when they didn't realize the revenue.
0: Absolutely. And those are amazing stories. And I'm glad that you used the the story about your customer and mm-hmm. which departments were using it for different um, different things and, and different information that they needed on a day-to-day basis for them to be able to do their their job properly. So how would you then describe what it is exactly that you do?
1: Well, our vision is very clear. And that is to create trust and transparency in the global supply web. And, and, and the way that we are doing it is by actually allowing people to have vision beyond the tier one or beyond the next supplier, all the way through as deep as raw materials, if they so desire. Um, hmm. Simply by being able to tag the POs that the OEM is, is creating with the contract manufacturers, and with all the subs that are making components and parts and assemblies that are beneath those CMs. And so what it does is it allows you to, well, first of all, as an OEM, typically they are creating a solution, a build solution. So they're working with all of the subs initially. They build this thing, and then when they take it to a contract manufacturer, they give the contract manufacturer the bomb, and they have to then go out and spend weeks of overhead checking with all of the vendors, The vendors have to come back to you and ask permission to give them pricing on the product that you've actually designed. Um, And then they have to put this bomb together themselves in order to put a bid package together. Well, in our case, what you can do is literally once you've created that build tree, all you have to do is press a button and you can share all those parts, all the pricing, all the design history, the specifications, anything you want with the vendor so that they can now immediately start to put their build together. And the next thing that's really cool is once you've done that, you can now actually see the orders that your vendors are placing with all the sub vendors. If you so desire, you can see the quality management that's happening in between all of your subs. um, And you also will be able to see if orders aren't being placed because they might have gone somewhere else, which is a red flag Mm -hmm. that you want to make sure that they are actually creating something that is compliant with your specifications instead of right. going through a back door and potentially changing materials or specs or any of those things.
0: And knowing it in real time, and like you said, you know, avoiding costly mistakes down the road obviously is going to be crucial to anybody that is working in those, um, you know, different parts of the supply chain. And plus, I, you really spoke about collaboration, And that's what I talk about all the time on this show is collaboration is the future of business. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. You're bringing everybody to the table. You're bringing transparency, which has been extremely difficult in supply chain. I don't think anybody really has been able to to do it. I mean, we've been able to do it in different parts. And it's great to hear that you're able to give the transparency all the way down to the raw materials if they so Decide to, right? Because everybody's different. Every organization is different, and what they need from a transparency perspective is going to be different. But you're offering them that solution, which I, which I really, really like, and the collaborative opportunity, right? Is that I, not, not true?
1: It's absolutely true. I mean, one of the things that's beautiful is, um, you know, unfortunately, with what's happened with COVID, it's it's caused everyone to be remote. But because of our system. Working remotely is as easy as going onto a web browser, signing into the product, and then you can manage all of the different pieces of your orders within the system. There's another aspect that's actually really cool as well, Um, and that's that because we have all of the order data in the system, we now have actually the accrued and aggregated performance data for all of the vendors in the system for every order, for every part that they've shipped for every customer. So we can now as a sourcing tool, this is a sort of a third level effect. As a sourcing tool, we can now present the smiley face that says, this is who we are. And this is our, this is the services that we produce. But at the same time, right beside that, we can actually have a quantitative dashboard that shows precisely how they've performed for everyone in the system aggregated. So it's the the public information is the performance overall performance information. The private information is that which happens in between the two different customers. So from a certainty of sourcing standpoint, when you come up with a new vendor and you see that they've been producing at 99 or 98 or 97, whatever that number is, percent on-time delivery, um, and you can see the non-conformances and the number of parts that they've shipped in aggregate, that gives you a lot higher level or lower level of confidence in the company, <laughs> right. depending on the numbers that you're seeing. But normally, you don't find that out until you've actually started working with somebody over a period right. of time to see how they actually perform.
0: Well, and it, it brings up a good point because if you're looking at a brand new supplier, it kind of you know eliminates all of that uh, the work that goes into really finding out who they are and if they're good fit for you as a partner. But then also internally, I know a lot of supply chain professionals that are spending a lot of time taking a look at their supply ch- suppliers and doing scorecards internally yes, to try to you know figure out whether they want to keep them, whether, whether they want to keep working with them, what's working, what's not working. And it sounds like what you guys are doing is really giving them the um, insight into what exactly the suppliers are doing and giving them that scorecard a lot easier than using an Excel spreadsheet?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I coined the phrase by accident. It's ISO in a box. Um, right. It is a complete ISO compliant quality management system on the data side and on the data management side. You still need the, the management pieces and the structure of, of meeting rhythm, et cetera, in order to meet that side of the compliance. But quite literally, people have team, companies have teams of people. That are managing like they're they're filling all the the word documents out individually at every stage of a nonconformance. Yep. They're tracking those documents in the Excel spreadsheet. They're having to re-enter every order that they've made, and it's incredible the amount of uh, overhead that's spent building mm-hmm. this out. And with our system, because we have all the order information, we have all the delivery information, we have all the nonconformance information built in. You actually get those scorecards are presented to you daily, weekly, monthly, as often as you ask for them. And they can be vendor based, part based or in aggregate, depending on what it is that you're looking at.
0: Yeah. And you can um, you can evaluate and help make that partnership better a lot sooner with that kind of data, then you can obviously doing an Excel spreadsheet and doing, you know, a supplier day once a year or, you know, having those conversations once or twice, twice a year, which I do know that some organizations are having. So yeah. you talk a lot about the supply web. Um, mm-hmm. You talk a lot about that. Uh, you've just mentioned it in the in the episode, but you you also talk a lot about that on your website. Yes. So tell us what that is and why is it important?
1: Well, what we've discovered is for each individual product, there might be a chain, a supply chain. But what's really happening is all of the different vendors in that chain have different relationships with other customers, with yourself. There may be some that you're dealing with directly for some products and and through contract manufacturers for others. And the Mm -hmm. challenge is that each one of those relationship chains are like an island, all the information about them. Uh, the performance, et cetera. Each one is a complete separate silo. It's an island, and no. none of the information crosses hands unless someone goes in and starts to do a forensic analysis of all of these different relationships. So right. what we discovered is that, and, it, and it's really kind of interesting, most apps that are built are are one directional. They're sort of for the customer to manage their vendor, and that's it. And what we discovered is that every company is both a customer and a vendor. Um, mm-hmm. I know that sounds obvious, but what happened is we actually realized that because of that, we have a series of nodes in, in effect. All of the different companies are related to all of the different other companies in different ways. And for us to be able to, first of all, allow companies to, to make their supply chain very resilient by making it easy for them to add other vendors, whether it's for geographic diversification or repatriation, depending what it is that they're wanting to do. Um, once you've identified who you want to work with, it's very easy to then pass the information on to them for the products that you want built. Um, at the same time, if they're on the system, you'll be able to see how they perform for everyone else. You've got a higher level of confidence potentially in, in their abilities. Um, yeah. It's really designed for three key factors. The first is supply chain resilience. The second is uh, much, much more efficiency because you don't have as many people. And you know We're, we're doing a... a research right now, and it's about 75% less requirement for information pushing from a person's wow. standpoint. Um, yeah. it's really interesting. Um, and, uh, and then the last thing is it allows you to scale because what you've got is you've got the ability to either work within individual companies or to add others very easily, um, by using the system to manage how they flow the information and the communications.
0: Interesting. And you, you mentioned supply chain resiliency. I mean, this is something that is coming up a lot right now with everything that's happening. All of the supply chains, the supply chain professionals going into new normalcy. What is supply chain resiliency to you? Like, what is Omni doing to um, help within that sort of new normal and, and, and helping supply chains become more resilient?
1: Well, the first thing is because you've got a quality management system built in, you can see the resiliency of each of your individual suppliers based on how they're performing for you. Okay. Secondly, if you are looking for others, as you look for them, um, the ability to give them the information uh, to be able to tool up and 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 or uh quote and build bid packages etc you're reducing the time from weeks to days to hours depending on the the level of quality that you you've got, got in your it. system uh yeah. so it just and of course the fact that you can now collaborate um means that if there is an issue with an existing supplier the resilience comes simply from the fact that everyone can touch the information in real time instead of this kind of horseshoe of information and email flow that happens between shipping and receiving and quality management, which then goes to purchasing, which then goes across to the vendor and the sale inside salesperson who then sends it to their engineers and their quality manager to look at when it gets to the top of their pile. And then it just goes back and forth and back and forth. And you've got fires lit and it, it creates really bad relationships between people. And it's actually the mm-hmm. system itself that's designed to do that. So in our system, what happens is as soon as there's a non-conformance found, the, shipper, the receiver, the, whoever does the inspection, can put that information in. They can take pictures. They can write a little note about what was wrong. They can pull out the, the drawings in. And they hit send it. And it automatically goes to their purchaser, their quality management, their engineers, the other side's sales and service, their quality management, and their engineers, so that anyone that needs to can touch it in real time. And, yeah. you, of course, you know when you've got time zones attached to that as well, Um, if someone misses something for a day, it actually costs you two or three or four days, depending on when in the week it's happening. So, um, it's, it's really, so from a a time to market, from a time to resolution, it helps incredibly. Um, and then just strictly from a, um, you know, if you, if you want to look at that ulcer test, uh, the bottom line is if, if, if you've got a passive dashboard that, you know, is going to light up the skies if there's anything that looks like it's going to be late and then someone's Mm -hmm. going to deal with it and if it doesn't get dealt with it's going to show up on your desk in a timely manner that's the most resilient you can be because you now have the information uh, days weeks or even months ahead of the time when you know know, normally the way oems and brands find out that there's a problem is the day they don't receive the product yeah and and then that means they're not shipping that month And therefore, the CEO and the CFO are all stressed out because they're not getting their cash flow that they expected the following month. The ripple effect, the downstream ripple effect is incredible of getting either something late or wrong um, and not finding out until the time that you receive the product.
0: Yeah, but I also like the fact that you're allowing each participant in that chain to be able to take a look at it on their own time. Right. Because in the traditional way of doing it, each person is being passed the baton, but in a manner that they have to act on right away. And yes, in some of these circumstances they do, but they're being passed along the information in the time and they can look at that information in the time that they have and not at the time that it's super, super important (laughs) and they have to act on it right, right, right this second, which really eases stress, you know, along that chain. And for multiple people, in those scenarios as well. So I'm glad that you gave us an overview of the resiliency and and what Omné can do to help companies with that because that's really important right now. But the other topic that's really important and we we spoke a little bit about it before or earlier on in this episode is transparency in supply chain you
1: know mm-hmm. there's a
0: lot of companies like i said that are claiming to provide this as a key feature so how is Omne providing this and what can cu- customers expect when they work with you from a transparency specific perspective
1: well it's really interesting we've approached this challenge in a way that we haven't seen anyone else approach yet um, what we've done is we're allowing um, essentially allowing people, uh, an OEM or a brand or a contract manufacturer, normally right now they can only see the next tier below them. And below that, it's it's a black hole. There's nothing. It's so opaque because unless you're down there asking questions on a daily basis, you don't see when things are going wrong. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is we actually have created a dependency tree, it's called. And basically, it's a way of linking Um, orders that are dependent upon each other as they go through the supply chain. So uh, the brand or the OEM might create a, a bigger PO for a completed product. The contract manufacturer says, thank you very much. And they place a whole bunch of orders for assemblies, components, parts, all the way down. And then the brand is waiting for their two or three months to get their product. The contract manufacturer is managing what they can, but they're doing it blindly. In our case, what happens is the orders that they place would be Mm -hmm. then electronically tagged and it would happen all the way down through the system. So that if someone's having a problem making a part that's going to affect a component or an assembly for the contract manufacturer, it will actually, on a timer, a warning will cascade up one tier at a time. It might be a day, an hour or a week, depending on what the product is. And you can actually set that timer so that if tier four has a problem and tier three can't solve it within Mm -hmm. one or two days, it would actually send a flag up to tier two and say, this is a problem. You have to light a fire or it's going to be late. And then if they can't resolve it, it would go to tier one. If they don't, it'll show up on the CFO and the CEO's desk, um, but it'll tell them. You know, now instead of two months from now, that there's a problem that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, yep. The other side that's really interesting is it actually works in reverse. That's the that's the push side, the pull side, which is or excuse me, the pull side. The pull, the push is what's interesting is that if there are problems that that engineers are finding, and we talked earlier about ongoing improvement and the quality management side, they yeah. can actually force, at the very least, the information up the chain. To the engineers about changes that need to be made in order to make things either manufacturable or more efficient um, from a from a tolerance standpoint, from a materials and a process standpoint. If there are things that the manufacturer sees that can make things better, they can actually push that information back up the chain as well. Actually, down huh. actually, but uh, but what it does is it
0: actually
1: Amazing. yeah. So it allows people to force ongoing improvement or at least the information that would help for ongoing improvement um, to the people that, that care.
0: Huh? I, that is amazing because at the end of the day you can only imagine how many people that that, that would go through outside <laughs> of your system and how many emails that's going to take and it's also dependent on whether the right person gets that information to actually put it into action.
1: Correct it's it's amazing. And uh, and and the thing that's really interesting today is it's not just email, it's email, Slack, WhatsApp, WeChat, yes, um, <laughs> yeah. text.
0: Where, phone, where did you send that to me? <laughs> and,
1: and still fax in some countries, and it's incredible. And good luck doing a forensic analysis of all those different means of communication when people are actually passing critical information. Yeah, so one yeah. of the one of the things that we do is we actually. Essentially force a record of all the agreements between the two parties during Mm -hmm. every state change, whether it's a proof approval, prototypes, um, tooling and first article, and then all of the solutions that come up in nonconformance reviews, all of those things, um, each party has to say, yes, I, I agree to this or this is a solution. Yes, I agree to it before they move forward. It's the same for date changes. It's exactly the same. And huh. so with, with all of those things, there's, it's much easier to know who is responsible for what and to mm-hmm. and enforce the cleanup of information for sure. Sorry, you were going to say something.
0: No, no, no. And just, you know, the agreement, the, the real time agreement on different changes and, and things like that. No longer is it a signature or, um, you know, initials <laughs> to say, hey, you know, we can we can go ahead and then that's got passed, and, passed back and forth. I mean, if you use DocuSign, maybe it goes a little bit faster. But mm-hmm. the other thing that I, I really picked up on what you said was, you know, factory lines going down and mm-hmm. the penalties, not even just with factory lines, but not delivering goods on time. The amount of penalties that are out there when you don't deliver goods on time are like, in the thousands, in the millions sometimes. And just Absolutely. to be able to avoid that, even you know a few weeks earlier than you currently are doing, I mean, think about, and I go back to the stress level because all supply chain leaders are tasked in so many different directions right now. And just thinking about the stress level um, that can come down, from being able to be that much more proactive has got to be enormous so why don't you give us a real life example then of how you've helped one of those customers you know what was the challenge what was the solution and if you have a quantifiable benefit I mean you don't have to use their name but I'd Mm -hmm. like to have an idea of what that ROI kind of looks like for them
1: well, it's interesting. Um, we've got a situation recently uh, where it's it's someone that was a previous customer using a big SAP system. And uh, he's been hired by another company um, that is has uh, got a, a number of different products, but they're still doing things the old fashioned way. They've got all of their part data part numbers drawing numbers and everything is still managed inside their Excel spreadsheets and um, and so they've now got a big mix of products that they need to get bids on and they want to go out and create resiliency so they want to look at about 10 different fa- ve- vendors you know half of them in North America and half of them abroad um, and the amount of information that needed to happen was is just incredible so they were actually able to come into our system load the drawings, Plug in the different vendors that they want to use, and then just press a button, and automatically all of the all the quotes go out, all the bid packages go out to all the different vendors immediately. Um, And one of the things that happens is we built in um, essentially an automated um, design review mechanisms for manufacturability. So typically, when a bid goes out, the the factories have questions about materials, tolerances, et cetera. So what happens is all of their questions come into the system and they get aggregated. So you get one document that has all of the questions from everybody. You can Amazing. then, yeah. So what they did then was they were able to make their revisions, upload yeah. their revision, press one button, out it goes to 10 vendors again. And then from there, they get the bids back and the bids are are, are all, able to sit in front of them automatically on the screen where they can see pricing, they can see delivery time. Uh, they can see terms, tooling costs, all of those things right in front of them instead of having to then take all that information and put it into another spreadsheet. Um, and then once they decided who they wanted to buy from, it was as simple as pressing a button, just like, uh, an Amazon shopping cart and, mm-hmm. uh, and you pick your quantity. Um, you've got the pricing in the system and everything you would, you know, You attach a PDF of your PO, and you hit buy, and off it goes. So you can imagine what the process would have been like for them to manage. I think it was 60 different parts against 10 different vendors and keep all of that information in a system. So made a big, big difference for them.
0: Yeah, and it would have gone a lot faster than if they had gone the traditional route. I mean, I can only imagine just from that story of what you said, you know, what you just told us. Um, I can, in my mind, just picture how much time it saved me from, you know, an email perspective, spreadsheets, trying to keep it organized, you know, just even from getting the questions from the vendors and <laughs> aggregating them together so you're not answering them. Five, six seven, 10 times right the right. same the same question over and over and over again so that's amazing yeah. so Thank if you. I'm sitting here and I'm I'm listening to this and I'm listening to what you guys do over at omni mm-hmm. what who is your ideal client what are the challenges that I'm having um, that I would pick up the phone and call you guys and and what do I look like as an ideal client for you
1: well, it's interesting. 94% of the manufacturers on the planet are still using email and Excel spreadsheet as their two major technologies to run no.
0: production.
1: Yes. So
0: you want
1: that 94%. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heck of a web, I can tell you. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, today our focus is on OEMs and brands and contract manufacturers that are forward-thinking, innovative, um, early adopters. Uh, And the main reason is if you've looked at surveys over the years in the manufacturing space, one of the questions has always been, you know, do you expect to use technology in this, this coming year? And the answer is typically 65, 70% saying no. And that number has changed now to a whopping 50, 50 with everything that's going on right now.
0: Um, But
1: one of the things that's interesting is, so for example, when we bring in one brand, typically they're bringing in between 50 and 100 other nodes other companies because they're bringing their vendor base in which then um allows the the supply web to grow quite quickly so we're working with the um the manufacturing side that that is in the in the in the sub tiers people that are doing plastics metals uh control panels all these different things one of the things that's interesting is typically they're they're process oriented they're not market oriented because they, 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 their service is a process that right. serves multiple different markets. And mm-hmm. so so for us, our biggest gain will come from having more and more people in the system that are communicating both upstream and downstream and essentially going through the same state changes, the same type of information, um, just with different pieces. And one side, it's a complete assembly. On the other side, it's components that are coming in, et cetera.
0: What uh, what does your onboarding process look like? Because it sounds like it could be a, a very time-consuming, but I'm just wondering if you if you make that easier for your potential customers.
1: Well, for your customers. Um, this is what it looks like. If you've got drawings, um, mm-hmm. you put the company name, address, phone number in, you put in your contact name and their email address, and you attach the drawing and you send it. Okay. And now, you've now spun them up as an account, mm-hmm. um, and they are now able to use the system a hundred percent with you because you're paying for it and you invited them. So the way we've, okay. we've, the way we've, and so if you have multiple vendors and multiple parts and you're wanting to do a full onboard, what you do first of all is you, it's called a CSV file. You, you create a yes. file mm-hmm. that, that has the vendor information. You press a button and upload it. You then press another, you create another file that maps all the parts that either they make or you make four depending on whether it's customers or vendors Mm-hmm. And you press a button and that gets up so uploaded. You've now created all of their accounts, you've created all their files, and you are now actually on you know you're ongoing from that point forward so you awesome. you don't you don't get your history because you've been working in another system um, mm-hmm. but what you do get is from that moment forward you get the efficiency and the ease of use of the product
0: amazing, I love that. so let's talk about the future. What's next? What does the future hold for Omni?
1: Well, um, you know, it's, uh, the fall is about to arrive and that is when we're planning on doing our hard launch. Uh, so, um, we've, we've, Oh, absolutely. It's, it's been really exciting. Uh, we were originally planning our soft launch for, for late February. And as you know, things changed. Um, they do. so, uh, one of the things that's been you know quite nice is that people have started to really get back to focusing on their businesses for the last month and a half or so. And, yeah. uh, and as a result, um, We've brought a number of people in um, and are, we're learning um, and, and they're telling us what they see in the system. So this fall, our goal would be to continue to grow this, the, the, uh, the network out to, to add customers. And um, ideally, you know, we've built this thing to scale. So we're hoping that the world sees it the same way we do and, and will be interested in, in working with us.
0: Great. Well, I cannot wait to see or or to be part of that launch because this episode is going to be released around that time. And I can't wait for our community to hear this episode and really embrace what you guys are doing and and reach out and talk to you more about how you can help. So supply chain leaders, future-proof your supply web, get transparent manufacturing, and turn data into intuitive action. Vendors, drive more revenue, eliminate costs, costly miscommunication, and increase efficiency across your entire team. That is what you can expect when you join the Omne platform. If you would like more information about Dan, Omne Technologies, and the episode, please visit podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com. This is episode 133 or omni.com. That's O-M-N-A-E dot com. Thank you to Kirsten and the team helping to make this episode happen. They have a wonderful ebook that's out right now providing the ultimate guide for today's custom manufacturer. So check that out at the links we provide or at their website. Again, it's omne.com. Thank you, Dan, for coming on the show today and sharing your insights with us today.
1: Thank you as well, sir. I really appreciate it.
0: If you are looking for specific episodes or blogs, make sure to go to podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com or blogs, and we have a category filter. And so you can actually search by category of the topic that you are looking for. It's in the top right of the page. So go and check that out if you are looking for something like a topic specifically or even a vendor specifically for something that you are looking to change within your supply chain or your organization. So next week, did you think about the tax implications on your new supply chain or business model? Or did you factor it in when thinking about restructuring? Well, it could be the key to major savings and a well thought out plan. Jim Dawson is here next week to tell us why. So don't miss that episode. It's coming up next week. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, the SC Supply Chain TV, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen or listen to podcasts. Next, go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z or z.com Visit and sign up. We are in full beta. And if you are a forwarder, or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and your ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. So go and check that out. Go sign up and um, we would love to see you there. Next, if you'd like to find some very cool merch for your supply chain professional, logistics professional, procurement professional in your life, or just some inspiration, We've got some really great merch over under shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And we have a supply chain dictionary. It's 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions that you will need to succeed in your supply chain career. Lastly, if you'd like to be featured on the show, go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and we will feature your review on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.